The one-year anniversary of the record-setting government shutdown happened on January 25th, 2020. The anniversary came and went without fanfare by most. But for those of us who are impacted by that particular shutdown, we remember it all too well. Last year, Julie and I breathed a sigh of relief as the shutdown ended and we realized that we had had enough money in our emergency fund to survive. This week, I toasted Julie as we took a few moments to remember where we were and how far we've come in a year. We have a fully funded emergency fund with six months of expenses, and Julie and I got there even after going on a trip of a lifetime to Hawaii, which was all paid for in cash. Of course, we didn't start out that way. No, dear lifers, we did not. We were horrible with money, and Julie and I were in survival mode and living on the edge. Living on the edge! It was not the way to operate a household budget and certainly injected a lot of stress and uncertainty into our lives. It took a lot of time, but we finally came to our senses, started following Dave Ramsey's baby steps. I give Jules a ton of credit for getting us going and getting us to a spot where we are today. Good job, Jules. Well done. I toast you, my dear. You might be asking, well, that's great, dude, but how did you even start your $1,000 emergency fund? Well, dear lifers, you're in luck. We are talking about the saving problem, defining an emergency fund, discussing our experience, and giving you nine tips to start your $1,000 emergency fund. So without further ado, let's go. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. All right. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast, everybody. This is Tom, your lovable host. It is another wonderful voyage, our 163rd, I think, episode or 162nd. I'm not sure which one, but it is several hundreds, more than 100, more than 150 episodes of the Small Scale Life Podcast. So welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Thank you so much. Uh, if you've been following us, we've been doing some fun things, including uh, kicking off the Small Scale Gardening Podcast. That was a lot of fun last week to do that and kind of defining what is small-scale gardening. If you haven't caught that, please do. I know some of you are going, what, what, what? There's too much stuff going on. I don't understand it. Don't worry. We got you covered. Small-scale life, we're all about simple living and minimalism and financial freedom. And, you know, we're putting the we back in wellness, right? It's all about building community and enjoying enjoying some life here. And, and to do that, you have to have a little bit of cash in the process. So small-scale gardening, that's a lot of fun for me. It's my, one of my passions. And uh, we're still going to have gardening stuff here on Small Scale Life, but we're also going to have smallscalegardening.com there to, um, you know, some people just want to see gardening. That's it. And there you go. There, It's all there. So uh, thank you for tuning in. We are talking, we're getting back into financial freedom. We kind of dropped off the face of the earth with that towards the end of last year as we got busy and a lot of things happened. But uh, we want to circle around and, and talk about that. Especially this week. This week was a big one. If you were paying attention last year, we had the big government shutdown. And my real job, uh, I am directly impacted by that. And I was working without a paycheck there for a bit. If we did not have emergency funds in place, it would have been a bad, it would have been really tough. It was 35 days, bills are coming in. Got to eat, got to have gas in the tank, got to do keep the heat on, keep the lights on, keep the water flowing. And if you don't have emergency funds, 
an emergency comes along like that, sudden job loss, temporary or permanent, uh, or medical bills or whatever, death in the family, you can be up a creek, so to speak. Oh, yeah, up a creek. Yeah, and I'm in, I, by the way, I am on the road here. I am in lovely Green Bay, Wisconsin, home of the Green Bay Packers World Championship, Green Bay Packers, you know. Um, and it's, uh, this was a good, timely topic to talk about the government, remind, just thinking about the government shutdown, how that impacted us. It really flipped a switch. We'll talk about that. So we're going to jump into this and uh, talk a little bit about building an emergency fund, but we're going to back up and kind of walk you through why this is important. So <clears throat> before we start, before I start talking about the tips, let's give you some background, give you some other information that might, you, you'll probably nod and go, yeah, I totally agree with that. So I did some research. I prepared for the podcast and post. I absolutely did. So I found two articles of interest that are related to emergency funds and how Americans deal with emergencies. The first is an article from NBA, I'm sorry. The first is an article from ABC News from May 2019 that's titled 40% of Americans don't have $400 in the bank for emergency expenses. And this is from the Federal Reserve. The article, ABC News article, is based on a 2018 report, uh, report from the Federal Reserve that analyzes the financial health of American households. Some of the statistics are mind-blowing. It's numbing. About 20% of those surveyed would need to borrow the money or sell something to come up with $400, and an additional 12% would not be able to cover it at all. So 39% right there. They'd have to sell something or wouldn't be able to cover $400, an, an emergency $400 expense. It, it, mind-numbing, right? I mean, that's uh, that's pretty easy. Uh, a car repair is right there, right? Like your car breaks down in the middle of nowhere, you got to pay cash. How would you do it? it it's, it's pretty frightening. 12% of adults said they wouldn't be able to pay their current monthly bills if faced with an unexpected $400 expense. 17% of adults in the U.S. said they're not able to pay off all of their current month's bills. So they are really robbing Peter to pay Paul. I pay this bill now. I'm going to hold off on that one. I'll catch that one up later as the money rolls in. And so twenty, almost 20%, 17% of people are playing this game or using credit or using their home equity line to cover all their bases. And that's not even when Murphy, when a problem happens, Murphy comes calling. Put this in perspective. If you open the door, okay, so this is like an urban area, right? So if you're out in the rural areas, you look down the street. I only see two neighbors down there. Yeah, I don't know. But if you're in an urban neighborhood like mine, if I open the door and look down the street, there's 10 houses there. Four of them don't have money in the savings to handle a $400 emergency. And the percentage varies depending where you are in the country, of course. If you're in a um, or a place, uh, a neighborhood like mine, which is which is very um, which isn't high income right it's it's mid to low income um, it could be even higher than that so this is a pretty dire assessment of the economic situation of our friends our neighbors and our family members and that's why it's so important to build community and be there for each other because times can get tough in a hurry right so the second article is from bankrate.com and it was published in January 2020. They recently completed a study and found that only 40% of Americans would pay an unexpected $1,000 expense, such as a car repair or emergency, review, or emergency room visit, from savings. People use credit cards, loans, borrow from friends, or, quote-unquote, using my air quotes, figure something out. Yeah, that's... <laughs> 
That's always a tough one when you say, oh, I'll just figure that out, to cover those un- unexpected expenses. Again, this is not a pretty picture. People are getting deeper into debt to handle emergencies, and this debt hangs around for a long time as other bills mount up. And you know this from your experience, right? You get that first credit card, and you start charging, charge, and suddenly you're looking around and go, oh my gosh, I've maxed this sucker out. I still have bills coming in, and how am I going to pay this all off? Credit cards love it because they get you know, 15 20%, 25% plus annual fees, and, and they're like, yeah. Yeah, keep uh, keep loading up with debt there. That's uh, that's awesome. That's how we get our nice leather couches and big skyscrapers and name all the stadiums. So it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. This week, I posted a quote about that bank rate article, uh, some of the statistics on the Small Scale Life Instagram page. And I did get some feedback from some people. So that was kind of cool. Respondents are at all different stages in this process. Some folks, like our sister-in-law, Karen Manjager, she's been on the show, and us, we have a fully funded emergency fund. It's it's a great place to be. But there's others that are along the process. Other other members, like Instagram personality, me and Mr. Jules, and VZLAMom.shop are further along. They're working on it. They're in the process of building it. And both of them stepped forward and said, yeah, we're working on it right now. So uh, one is a little further than the other. And then others, like... Um, uh, I bleed loyalty. That's a person on Instagram. They are just starting the process and they are facing the same problems we're talking about car repairs, stuff for the kids, mounting bills. I mean, it's all right there. So, no matter where you are, if you're just starting or you have a fully funded emergency fund, it's important to keep going, to stay diligent, to be consistent, to have a plan, to have your budget, and keep going even when times get tough. Without an emergency fund, things can get out of control in a hurry especially when Murphy comes calling. So you're probably like, who's this Murphy guy? This is an old, it's an old saying, old American saying, when Murphy comes calling, you know, when uh, bad things happen, it's Murphy, Murphy's here. And uh, so this is just kind of a, it's like bad luck, right? So let's talk about the problem. When Murphy comes calling and then keeps coming. Have you ever noticed that trouble seems to find you when you're least prepared to deal with it? Right. So an example is your car breaking down, your pipes clogging up, your your child getting sick and requiring medical attention. All that seems to just happen all at once. And it usually comes on the heels of Christmas or some other event like back to school where those events have emptied your bank account or your wallet. You're feeling most vulnerable because you are. You've spent a lot of money doing other things. And that's when something breaks. So faced with few or no options, you have to put those unplanned expenses on credit cards, a home equity line, or worst of all, a short-term high interest rate loan. And unfortunately, these these things seem to compound as time goes on, right? More things happen. More cars break down. Your tires go flat. You know, something happens. You need to tow. All these things just seem to compound. And since you white-knuckled it, through one emergency you're just holding on for dear life you know you're you're at the end of your rope and oh i made it old murphy decides it's time for you to have another little disaster instead of your pipe clogging now your dog eats something he or she wasn't supposed to and you're heading to the vet for treatment and hundreds of dollars in fees and as you're racing to the vet with a sick pet this is usually when your car breaks down probably on the coldest day of the year we would have to pay for the tow to the shop, then spend hundreds of dollars on repairs. Meanwhile, the dog still needs attention. You still have to get that pipe unclogged. It's, you know, things are just compounding. 
and I coined this car hell. <laughs> I used to say, oh man, we're in car hell. Because our old cars were always on the verge of malfunction or breakdown. Maintenance, dear friends, maintenance, maintenance, maintenance does pay off for itself over time. And you hate to do it, but you have to do it. Otherwise, your car is always in the shop and always on the verge of breaking down. You just can't trust it. So the cycle continues. And as soon as you start to believe you have bad luck or have a black cloud that follows you around all the time, we would sometimes say, if we didn't have bad luck, we wouldn't have any luck at all. And Julie and I were constantly frustrated and we couldn't understand why this kept happening or what we could do to stop the cycle. The funny thing is, once we started budgeting, once we started that $1,000 emergency fund, the cycle slowed down and eventually stopped. Imagine that. We were telling the money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And once we had that emergency fund, things got a lot better. So if an emergency fund is so important and it almost seems to have magical properties, we better define what it is for you. So what is an emergency fund? An emergency fund is cash set aside in a special account that's only to be used for unplanned expenses. These expenses are not regular and can be totally random, unpredictable events. Some examples of emergencies are the following. One is a job loss. It can be temporary, like the government shutdown where you're working and not getting paid, or your mill or your company goes down for a week or a couple weeks as they're retooling or, or totally reorganizing or moving or something like that. Or it can be a long-term job loss. The company moves overseas and you lose your job or downsizes and, and you know tries to be more profitable. I mean, we've had articles, I've just seen articles where the Union Pacific Railroad is shedding 3,100 people next year. And this is on top of massive job cuts over the past two years. So it's not a good thing. This is happening to good people all over the country. Number two, catastrophic loss of a vehicle or home due to God, nature, or fire. Right? Uh, we, were, we were in Hawaii and talking to Captain Rob in the boats about a friend of his who woke up one day, there's a crack in the ground, and it's getting bigger. He leaves, he comes back, and his house is buried under 35 feet of lava. I mean, God, nature, fire. All three of the, of the above just happened to this poor guy, and he lost his whole home. So what do you do? Where do you, how do you, you lost all your belongings. But if you have that emergency fund, you've got access to cash. Death in the family, right? This stuff happens, and suddenly you have to pay for funeral expenses and arrangements and get across the country and all those things. Unforeseen medical issues. Injuries in far-off towns and places. When Ryan played uh, basketball for AAU and for his high school, I mean, in AAU especially, we were in Des Moines, we were in um, Sioux Falls, we were in Omaha, we were in Vegas, we were in Chicago, Milwaukee. And I remember we were in Des Moines, I think, and he sprained his ankle pretty bad, and we had to, we had to go to the hospital. So we had to have some cash on hand for those unforeseen medical issues. Another time we were in Wisconsin Dells and Danny dove into a machine, caught his eye right on the machine. And he had this massive cut right above his eye and we had to go to the emergency room to get that sewed up. So these things happen. Life happens, right? And you have to have cash in your storehouse to, to cover that kind of thing. So what's important about emergency funds is that these are to be used for emergencies, I would love to buy a new recorder. I would love to get one. And I've got a nice fully funded emergency fund and then dip into that cash to buy it. Or maybe you want to put some money into some cool investment or put a down payment on something. Well, 
That's not what your emergency fund is for. Your want, your wish, your desire is not an emergency, right? Emergencies are disasters, little disasters that are going to really hurt your bank account, hurt you in the long run, right? And the money in the emergency fund is used to cover the cost of the thing, the disaster. And then replenishing that emergency fund to its fully funded amount is top priority, whether it's $500 or $1,000 or $20,000. If you draw that down due to an emergency, then it's priority time to get that thing recharged, get that back up to its level. Because guess what? When you don't, suddenly you're behind the eight ball and then Murphy comes calling again. Window breaks. The pipes clog up again or the dog gets sick again. You know, it starts the cycle again. So... Having that emergency fund is the greatest Murphy repellent you'll ever have. It repels bad luck. It is magical because the emergency suddenly isn't a catastrophe or a crisis. You've got the money. It's all cool. You are warding off the black clouds. It's your silver lining, right? So you want to make sure that you're replenishing that as you draw it. Again, Murphy comes calling when, you least, when you're least prepared, when you least expect it. And sometimes bad things happen in pairs or threes. So you've got to be ready to, be, to handle that. And that's what the emergency fund is for. So let's talk about our experience. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So last year, Jules and I did our introduction to the financial freedom episode. We were young. We married when we were young and we were in college. We had Danny when we were young. We were 21. And it, created, it did create some financial challenges. So we were in survival mode for most of our 26 years of marriage. And that means living paycheck to paycheck and dreaming about building some savings for retirement and for things we want in the future. And they were someday in the future because we had to get food on the table, right? So we had to, we were always in this dream mode. We weren't uh, actually doing anything about it. So we had to execute. Since we were living on the edge and living so tight, we did not account for building an emergency fund. We always put savings in and giving way down on the list on the budget. And it was something that we would get to later. It was always that someday, someday I'm going to be doing that. Someday I'm going to have a fully funded emergency fund. Consequently, when significant problems arose, we were running our credit cards or using some other loans to cover the costs. We were always bumping into the maximum credit limit on our credit cards or our home equity line. And living that tight without any safety net was incredibly stressful. Julie and I just couldn't figure out that our lifestyle was out of control. It was, we just couldn't see it, right? We were busy shoveling money into the furnace as fast as we could earn it. And we really needed to cut dining out, expensive phone plans, an incredibly expensive mortgage, uh, our cars, you know, all that stuff. We were upside down. So Julie and I read The Total Money Makeover. We took Dave Ramsey class, and we took a crown financial class at church. I took Jules to see Dave Ramsey live in Indianapolis twice, and we listened to his CDs on long drives to Wisconsin, Minnesota. All in all, Julie and I soaked in as much about saving, budgeting, and Dave Ramsey's baby steps as we could. Of course, listening to, listening to this content is one thing. We needed to put it into practice, right? You can only stay in the ivory tower so long. You've got to get out, learn do, and then grow. So we started tracking expenses and working on our budget together. And at first, it was difficult. I mean, we were coming to face-to-face with our spending habits and, our, and making hard choices about spending. It's really about your lifestyle. You have to come and face that person in the mirror, or you both do if you're uh, with a significant other, and you've got to face it. What are you buying lattes for all the time? Well, you're always... 
uh, buying die do, you know, this kind of thing, this kind of back and forth and, and negotiation. And it's hard. This is hard stuff, but it doesn't have to be. You have to approach it as we're going to make this better. This is the cure, <laughs> right? Building this emergency fund and doing the budget is a cure. Living out of control, that's, uh, it's just, this is the cure for that. So, um, we began to work through the challenges, and we got more efficient at budgeting. You know, you get more efficient. You understand where the money's going. You've you've had some of these hard discussions, and then it's like, okay, we get it. Okay, yeah, we'll hold that off. We'll save up for that thing and buy that later. Or we want to do this trip. Okay, we'll save up, and we'll, we'll do that later. I uh, want to go to Hawaii. Great, we'll save up, and we'll do that at the end of the year. But we've got to have a dedicated savings plan so you just can't spend all the money on X, Y, or Z. Want to go to Ireland? Great. When do you want to do that? Well, next year. Well, no, no, no. We need more time to, you know, make sure we get all the other things covered. Okay. That's actually a conversation that I had this week. As I said, we're going to Ireland, but um, more on that later. (laughs) So we lived in Illinois during the market crash of 2008. It was bad. Times were tough. Uh, People were getting laid off. Our neighbors were losing their houses. Uh, It was a really tough time. I didn't know if I was going to be employed. But we were able to start our $1,000 emergency fund and successfully build it. We successfully funded it. We did have help from Julie's Flower Business, and I worked a lot of hours at my job. I did. And fortunately, back then, I was paid for every hour, so I worked a lot of hours. And having that money in our account gave us a sense of confidence that we could handle problems. It wasn't just a scramble and a crisis. We had the money. It was okay. Of course, we learned in the great government shutdown of last year that we needed a fully funded emergency fund to weather bigger and longer storms. I mean, we had, I think, less than $4,000 in it. We had some money in it, and we weathered the storm. So we decided that we needed to get a fully funded emergency uh, emergency fund with three to six months of expenses as our ultimate goal. And we got six months. So we were dedicated. We wanted more cushion there just in case something happened and you know politics happen and people misbehave and whatever happens. But it all started with that $1,000 first. You don't have to shoot for the moon first. You just need to get going. You need to get that first start. You need to get that first piece of Murphy protection, and that's $1,000, or maybe it's 500 depends, you know. But it's having that emergency fund in your bank. It gives you that sense of peace that, okay, I can handle this, right? So let's talk about nine tips for starting your $1,000 emergency fund. We've come up with these nine tips, and again, we've used these principles to save money and fully fund our emergency fund this year. So we know these tr- these tips work um, really straightforward. One, cut your expensive lifestyle. That's a huge one. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Starbucks and you know whatever you're doing in your lifestyle, expensive bags or boots or clothes or cars or gadgets. You know you need to cut your expensive lifestyle. Maybe you need to cut that stuff back for a, a year. And really focus on getting yourself healthy, getting your budget healthy, getting yourself healthy, right? So cut that expensive lifestyle. Look across your lifestyle. What are you spending money on? Is there something you can cut? You'll, it's amazing how much money is there. 
just by dialing it back. Hey, maybe you don't need to go out and eat out every Friday. Maybe you can make some really savory, delicious meals that are healthy for you instead of, you know, having five beers and eating the nachos, eating the burger, and then wondering why you're 30 pounds overweight. Hello. Yes, me. Hi. (laughs) See how this stuff ties together? You'll find that if your budget's out of control, your diet's probably out of control, you're out of control. So if you start to pull this stuff together, it's amazing how your life kind of comes back together. Okay, number two, sell extra stuff on eBay, Craigslist, or Facebook Marketplace. You got some extra stuff, you're not using it, it's gathering dust, get rid of it, right? And we talked about decluttering in previous podcasts, but this might be another way to, to go about it. You're decluttering, you're helping somebody else out, it's an exchange, you've got the goods, they've got the money, make it happen. You know, I would say be careful, you know, uh, do this in public places. I mean, you just don't want to invite strange people to your house maybe that you don't know, but just be careful and, uh, you know, sell this stuff. We have sold a lot of stuff on eBay, uh, especially little figurines and toys and that kind of thing. We have made some money on eBay selling it. And uh, Craig's book, Facebook Marketplace, these are other options for you. So, you know, take a look at it. Maybe uh, Homesteaders, you, there's a way you can sell those extra eggs or sell that Scooby from your kombucha or who knows. You know, there's so many ways to go about it. But but take a look at this. I mean, even Gary V over in New York City, Gary Vaynerchuk, he takes his kids out. They go to garage sales and they flip stuff. Oh, hey, look at this collection of coffee mugs. Great, we're going to flip it and make extra money. I paid a dollar for this lot, and now I'm going to sell it for twenty. You know, and that's a that's nineteen dollars in your pocket, right? So there's ways you can do this. I just would say be careful buying a bunch of stuff to sell it because you don't want to be stuck with it, right? Get a second job. This is a good one. Good place to, uh, Dave Ramsey says this all the time. Good place to go when you're broke is to work. So get a second job. I would say find something that is not going to add a lot of stress to your life. It has flexible hours. You can go deliver pizzas for a while and then, you know, turn that off. I mean, Uber and uh, Lyft, I think you have to have a new vehicle. It is wear and tear on your vehicle and you'll be working some strange hours. But find something you can do. Maybe you're going to go. Work at a gym and just be the receptionist for, or the person checking the cards for a bit. I don't know if that's a receptionist. I don't know what they call those. But, um, you know, something low stress, flexible, you can get in, get out, get done, and leave it, right? Because you don't want to add a bunch of stress and chaos to your life if you can avoid it. Uh, Another one, find a one-time job opportunity. What is this? So this is like shoveling somebody's driveway or walking their dogs or watching their house or... Picking up the dog feces in the all year or something, you know, something that uh, or Jules, she's got skills, right? She's a floral designer, so she goes helps out some people for some cash, putting flowers together and delivering them. I mean, you've got a certain you've got a certain set of skills, so use them, right? Use them for helping somebody out, and it's an exchange. You're doing the work, get a little one off pay, and hey, you can throw that towards your emergency fund. And it's short-term, right? There's no long-term contract here. So just help somebody out and make a little money on the side. Number five, carpool, take transit, or bike to work. Use our resources. That's a principle of small-scale life um, that we've had for a long time. Use our resources around you. Um, you might have to adjust your the time you wake up and when you're out at the corner to get the, the bus stop or 
or maybe have to ride with some people and be squished in a car. But hey, you're saving some money. Parking is expensive down in every downtown, whether it's Chicago or Minneapolis. It's going to add up real fast. Gas, wear and tear, all those, all the things. And maybe you have a good bike. You can bike to work. It's amazing to me how many people bike to work in the Twin Cities in the dead of winter. It's crazy, but they do it. And, um, you know, we pay tons of money in our taxes for transit. And I could go in a long riff about that, having worked on a light rail system uh, designed before and uh, user resources. That's what I'll tell you. I mean, earlier this year, I took a bus up to uh, from the Twin Cities up to my mom's place. And uh, I waited for her. She picked me up, worked out really, really well. So there's ways you can do this. Number six, plan your meals and eat at home. This kind of goes back to a post we had um, earlier this year. We had our top 10 kitchen tips from Small Scale Lifers, the Small Scale Life community. And one of those was, you know, plan your meals, eat from home. You spend a lot of money when you go out to eat. And we've been finding the cost versus what you're getting is, it's amazing. We are spending $15 for a hamburger and fries these days in cities all across the midwest when we were in hawaii the costs were that much higher it's it's a lot of money (laughs) for food that's adding a lot of extra calories and adding a lot of extra weight to us so you know eat at home we have found we make so much better meals taste so much better so much cheaper get leftovers it just is so good so really consider that and uh There's a lot you can do with just basic ingredients. And Nicole Sauce from Living Free in Tennessee, she's got a cookbook that's all about cooking with what you've got. And that's available on a website or on Amazon where you can make some really great stuff with just stuff you've got on hand. And I know some people aren't used to that. So having someone like Nicole as a mentor with her cookbook, that's a great way to go. So check that out. Number seven, shop from your freezer and pantry. We keep going to the store to buy more stuff and spending more money. Chances are we've got a little stash of stuff in our pantry that hasn't been used or that stuff in the freezer that you did buy a while back that's just waiting to be eaten. So go shopping there first. Eat that stuff down. Now, I know uh, some of our folks are preppers and homesteaders out in remote areas. You're doing this already, rotating the groceries through. I mean, there's nothing like a prepper that's prepping from Y2K and now it's 2020. You haven't cycled through all the stuff from the year 2000. Um, Yeah, there are people that do that 20 years later. So anyway, eat the stuff you've got on hand. Don't let it expire. Let nothing go to waste. Cycle through it. You need to replenish the stocks anyway. So eat through the stuff you've got, then replenish it, right? Especially take advantage of sales, right? Um, That was not as one of these tips, but it should be. Take advantage of the sales, stock up when you need to, eat that stuff down, and then be ready to take advantage of another sale. Number eight, fix it yourself. (laughs) I have to laugh because, man, I've struggled with this one. Sometimes I'm good. Plumbing, electrical, not so much. Uh, I can do certain things, but there's, again, I have a certain set of skills and sometimes fixing stuff is not mine. I'm not the most mechanical guy. So a car, that's not my thing. Uh, plumbing, that's not my thing either. Electrical, I can do simple stuff, but some of it's pretty beyond me. That's why I have electrical friends, but, um, you can save money fixing it yourself. Of course, there are times where, I know some of the handymen have said, oh, this must have been a, uh, a YouTube fail or a Pinterest fail. They have that kind of thing, too. So you can fix it yourself. There's good resources out there. There's books out there. Family Handyman has 
great resources on fixing stuff, especially home stuff. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of, oh, YouTube is just chock full of that. That's what YouTube is, right? So you can find a lot of good videos at the YouTube college and get, get started. So, um, I did have one win here with a plumbing win. Even we had a leaky, uh, sink in or a leaky faucet in our bathroom. And I did change out the cartridge and watched a video on that and just kind of took a deep breath and did it. And, and I kept saying to Jules, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is going to work. So I did fix that course then we got a clog in the drain and i couldn't get it so i had to hire somebody for that but womp womp win some lose some right but you can save some money fixing it yourself and number nine save that tax refund so a lot of us are going to have tax refunds i know that the laws continually change but some of us will get a tax refund. Guess what? Instead of going out and buying a new TV or buying a new Fitbit or buying a new phone and a plan to go with it, no, 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 no. Save that money. Put it aside, and that'll be a good jump start for your tax uh, for your emergency fund. So you're getting a little shot of money in. You've already paid for it. Put it right into emergency fund and just leave it there. Keep it right. Put it in a lockbox. So yes, do that. You know, we weren't the first one to come to come up with these tips. There's a lot of other people, a lot of good folks out there on Pinterest, Dave Ramsey, other folks that are talking about this. So this is not rocket science. I mean, we didn't like Shazam come up with it, but we are happy to remind you of it. These things work. They really do. They work. So you give them a try. Give them a shot. You can do this. Where you should probably start, it's really hard sometimes, is cutting the lifestyle, cutting your spending. It's the easiest and the most difficult thing to do. Because you've got to make choices and decisions and come face-to-face with what you're doing and spending your money on. Your money is it's an exchange for your labor. Think of it this way. You had to work five hours for that thing, right? If at your rate, your hours times your rate, take out a little bit for taxes, that's how long of your life you are spending for that thing. So cable, $100 per month or whatever, plus Hulu, plus Netflix, plus this, that, and the other streaming services – add that up you know you could have two hundred dollars three hundred dollars in streaming services and stuff and how much of your time sitting in an office or sitting in the factory or sitting in a store doing whatever you do for money i mean how much of your time is burned up by streaming services i know the mandalorian's cool everybody loves baby yoda but you got to think of it put it in perspective that is an area we cut cable yes we did we cut that and we cut it right in the government shutdown too and we went to cheaper cell phones too. It's the easiest thing, but it's the hardest thing. It's an ironic, it's an irony that you're going to have to deal with because, again, you got to look at that person in the mirror and say, Do I really need this? Or can I do something else? Like listen to Small Scale Life podcast. Thumbs up. <laughs> um, it's kind of like dieting. You know, initially it might feel difficult as you cut some of the spending out of your life. You're like, Oh, Oh, this is so hard. Oh, I really love Baby Yoda. But you'll find that suddenly you have more money in your account and wallet when you stop buying stuff that you really don't need. Wow, where have we heard this before? Minimalism, right? So minimalism and financial freedom do go hand in hand. Wow, we're kind of seeing a picture here, right? We're seeing, uh, Oh, yeah. Okay, so the dieting thing, I'm getting more active and I'm eating better, but yet I'm cutting some of these extra expenses like the lattes and Starbucks and, you know, going out to eat and stuff. And I'm kind of, you know, minimal. I'm, I'm not buying all this crud, you know, so I actually have some money to put in my emergency fund. See that? It all kind of works hand in hand. 
That's why I kind of said we put the we in wellness here. We're all doing it, right? You're taking control of your life by not buying every shiny new gadget and expensive coffee drink every day. You are taking control. You're saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to... I'm going to save this money because I might need it when things go really bad. Okay? So I know $1,000 seems like a lot of money to save. It does. It seems like this incredible Everest. But remember, slow and steady wins the race. We're not all going to be perfect on day one. It's going to take you time to figure out your path forward. It's going to take time to figure out what you're going to cut. It's going to take time to figure out what you're going to keep. It's going to take time. And when you're going through this process or when you get that first emergency fund set up, Something's going to happen. It's going to be like, let's tempt that person. Let's tempt you now. We're going to make your car fall apart. Now, what are you going to do? Ha, 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 ha. And it happens, honest to God. But when you can actually pay the guy or the gal to get that thing fixed, and then you replenish that fund, you're like, I did this. Go away, Murphy. I just kicked your ass. (laughs) So... You got to act. You got to get moving on this. You got to get that Murphy protection because Murphy's going to come calling and going to try to kick you. You're going to kick it back. So where do you start? To start, you can start with our free budgeting bundle. That's going to help you get organized. Where are you spending your money? You're going to take a little inventory. What am I spending my money on? I'm going to track some expenses and I'm going to dial it in and say, okay, we're cutting here. We're doing this. And then, uh, And then you're going to move forward. You're going to help prioritize your income and your spending. Where is the money coming from and where is it going? And I'm going to tell it to go instead of it just leaving. And then you can see where you're spending and you can make adjustments and cuts. So you can do this. We're here to help. We've been there. We've done that. We've fought through it. Um, You know, if you have something you want to add, you have a comment, feel free to contact us on smallscalelife.com on the contact us page. You can send us an email at realsmallscalelife at gmail.com. You can hit us up in some DMs on Instagram or Facebook. I've gotten some messages from folks. You know, we're going to get to those folks. Some people are doing some good things. And uh, man, we've gotten some really powerful um, messages from folks, people who are changing their lives, right? They're like, man, I was really in a bad place, but I'm changing my life. Dang. That makes me feel good, you know, and that's why we do this thing. We're not getting any money for this. This is free stuff, free, 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 free. So jump in there, get it and use it. We hope that you'll start because that's, you know, you got to start. Really, you do. On the post on smallscalelife.com, I did have a quote to kind of end this podcast. So remember, knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. And I would say dreaming is not enough. We must do. So that's a great quote. It's up there in smallscalelife.com. Remember to head on over to smallscalelife.com, get the free budgeting bundle, send us a note, browse around. We've got 162 podcast episodes. Go, go check those out. Um, send us a note if you need to. And start. You need to start. You can do this, lifers. We're right there with you. This is Tom from Small Scale Life Podcast. Remember to learn, do, grow, be a little better every day. So let's go, lifers. Get after it. Take care, everybody. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media.
Something's wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. I'm always surprised. Expenses pile up on me and it makes me want to cry. You can see the fear in my eyes. Cause I'm living on the edge. Got no money to stop falling. Living on the edge. Cause it's my debt that I'm drowning in. Living on the edge. You can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. You can help yourself start budgeting and stop living on the edge.